are through time and space. I mean, same time zone, I guess. But we're on Skype. It's me, Natalie Wahensky, and as always, my co-host of Who's Raven On, Stuart Late. Hello, Natalie. Hello, everyone. Uh, we're straight into a Doctor Who season. We sure it? are, it seems. I feel It feels like only yesterday we were Skyping with Dan from the Smart Enough to Know Better podcast. Yes, exactly. Yeah, we were we were just having a having a little chat about this little special that we thought was going to be a one off, and we thought we'd have like a a month or so of a buffer to get our get our act in in gear and and prepare for an upcoming Who season. It's like, nope, we're getting it straight away. Can I say, I there was a moment during this episode, just to throw it out there at the start, where I almost it almost felt like a tipping point that it was going to be a three parter. I can't oh, right. remember where. But there was something happening um, with, I don't know, something happened. I just went, this could be a three-parter. Like, this could be further fleshed out. Mm. And maybe it could have been and and had a little bit more stuff in there. But I suppose the two-parter is a fairly classic Doctor Who thing. And I guess they're maybe setting this up for an arc storyline. because oh, definitely. It did feel like there were some things from this episode that weren't quite resolved um, no absolutely not no no we, we've definitely we've gone back after last season was basically brand new no continuity you know if you're a new viewer time to get on board this is a new doctor new companions whole new show we've dived straight back the other way into very deep specific continuity about the 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 show so far so it's been very cool to see that happen so uh we did this time remember to do our one minute challenge we thought about yes but then I said, you know what, let's just do it. Uh, so do you want me to go first or do you want to go first, Stu? Uh, you go first. Okay, all right. Uh, so this is where we put a minute on the clock and try to remember everything uh, or significant things that stood out to us from the episode. Um, my first phrase is Master Nazi. <laughs> well, he has um, tried to put in place the Master Race before, so... This is the thing, and I'm glad they brought that up because yeah. he turns up dressed as a Nazi. Oh yes, yeah. She she said though at one point, oh he's dressed as a German soldier. That's a new low even for him. And I was like, wow, yeah. that's pretty. Yeah, he's, low he's done some pretty bad stuff. <laughs> yeah, I feel like look, I'm not trying to defend the Nazis. No, I'm no. Let's, say let's not start this podcast by defending Nazis. <laughs> I, I apologise to everyone. Um, that wasn't the object of the exercise. It's just that I, from what I can understand of the Master as a character, like he's killed gajillions. Like mm. he's pretty up there in terms of universe's greatest monsters. So <laughs> I don't know. Like I don't know. Is it you know Nazis and then the Master? I, you know, I just don't. I don't know what scale we're dealing with here. Uh, that's all I'm saying. That's true. Um, yes. So that there's a sliding scale. I guess if you if your genocide becomes like off planet, yes. I think that maybe puts you in a higher category. <laughs> or maybe people just forget about it because it's out of sight, out of mind. True. That's that's right. <laughs> but yes, I am glad that they dealt with the issue because Sasha Dewan is obviously of um, Indian or Pakistani heritage. Uh, yes, I'm not I'm not sure, but but yes, de not not Aryan as as she as the doctor points out. Um, so he was sitting there, I'm like, there's no way he'd be a Nazi captain. I thought the exact same thing. I was going to bring this up, yeah. Like, like, I'm thinking, geez, he's good. Like, if he's talked his way in looking like that, and then he points out that it's a perception filter. Perception filter. And I went, oh, well, thank you. For, because 
you know, it's 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 all very well, and a lot more series now do put people of colour into period dramas, and that's all well and good. But it's when it's the Nazis, and there was yeah. a <laughs> white supremacist thing going on, like that would be noticeable. Like that, yes. is, you know, that's definitely something that would be questioned at the time. I feel. Um, so yeah, so he he became a Nazi, and there, there was this whole uh, change up with this episode where. The doctor ends up going back in time to the 1830s, and we'll get on to that in a moment, and then she seems to stumble forward in time, and hello, the Nazis show up. (laughs) I was like, episode two of Doctor Who, and there are Nazis already. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, Uh, the second one I've got is Ada Lovelace. uh, Yes. Uh, Gordon. She's Mrs. Gordon. Thank you, madam. Oh, is she Mrs. at that? Was that her first husband? I can't remember. I haven't looked up a bit of Ada Lovelace in the past. Um, but uh, I, I do feel like she was – it was great to have her there, but I do feel like she didn't actually do any maths. <laughs> That's, well, yeah, I mean, I guess if, you, if you've got the doctor around, like you, there's probably not a, a lot of call for it. Yeah, but, but you know, that this is – She's operating on a wholly different scale, and they keep talking about, oh, well, she, you know her to be this great computer programmer or, you know, the, the the start of computers or whatever. Yeah. But she doesn't really – all that she's there for is to show that you – know, to explain how the Kazavian – what do they end up being called? Because I really should know. I was, go, I, was go, I was hoping that you had looked this up because I actually yeah. – well, <laughs> we, we jumped into this very quickly uh, today, and I didn't think to sort of – quickly double check about what all, what everyone was called. I so am, I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to... Uh, I'm, I'm look quickly up. looking it up. <laughs> Googling. Kasavian? Kasavian? Kasavans? It's something like that, yeah. Oh. Um, Excellent. This is quality podcast looking. Quality well, you podcasting. Keep, <laughs> you, you keep looking and I'll just talk. Um but, yes, yeah, so she's there to sort of show that they implanted themselves through computers and they've tracked famous computer people through history, hence yes, why we, we assume we, they've ended up with Lenny Henry. Yes, exactly, and which is, like, a great plot. Like, like it turns out that's, that's actually really clever. Um, it holds together and it makes complete sense. Like, I, I don't know why I'm so surprised by that, but, you know, the last season kind of burned me a little. Uh, yes. So the fact that, you know, it, it's... It's all holding together. Um, for the record, uh, Kasavin, yeah, I think it's K A S double A V I N. So you want a, you want a good alien double A in there? Yeah. Uh, so Kasavin. Apostrophe. Uh, no apostrophe, no um, no comma. Uh, there's no little fantasy. Uh, it's not Kasavin or whatever, however that's pronounced. But no. Um, no. Kasavin. Beings made of light that are definitely not Cybermen. Well. Look, I guess we'll get to this. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. It wasn't really established 100%, I feel, what they were. Um, mm. But that's just me. So to just go on with my list, uh, Ada yes. Lovelace, but no maths. Uh, there was also Nora, and I cannot remember her surname. I should look that up. But the spy. Another, yeah, another historical figure. Uh, but I did look her up briefly. I just didn't write down her name. 
But she died in 1944. She was executed by the Nazis. Yes, she was executed by the Nazis. I was going to say, and it, it is Noor Khan. Um, huh. Yeah. And I, I, wow, that's really kind of gives a weird because uh, she says, you know, do the fascist win? And the doctor says, never while there's people like you. Well, a year later, she got shot in an extermination camp. I'm not laughing. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, it's it's the it's the danger of like dancing with these actual like historical figures, which they tend to do. Like we're not we're not making up. Doctor Who up until very recently actually very rarely dealt with specific historical figures. It it, it happened, but but not as like a major part of the plot usually. And oh this is the reason because you do have these real life complications that that sort of pop up that sort of flavor everything that you're trying to say well this goes into my next point on my list of things to do which is why is the doctor erasing memories all of a sudden like just with her fingers yes ah like well, well, well having well having said that she she uh, the doctor has definitely done that before most famously to donna noble uh at the end of series four which is you know possibly the worst thing that's ever happened to a companion relatively um you know and i'm including adric who like died in a crashing spaceship uh you know, it's... yeah, people didn't like him or something, didn't they? Or, oh, well, people, people, people say... did not. People did not like Adric. He was a, he was the, he was the Wesley Crusher before there was a Wesley Crusher. Uh, um, uh, this, yeah. you, you said, I'm sorry, am I making references that just are completely not landing no, no, no. here? Or <laughs> Wesley Crusher is the guy who's now kind of cool again on the internet, and people like him, but also people yes. hate him. And he's been cancelled. I don't know. I can never tr- keep track. Well, it, it's Will Wheaton is the actor. Will but, Wheaton, um, that's yeah, the guy. He played he played Wesley Crusher on Star Trek, who was a precocious teenager who everyone hated and was eventually shuffled off to yeah. do things off screen and <laughs> never to be seen again. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, but yeah, not not as bad as Adric, who was killed in a, a, a spaceship explosion. Ah. Well, yes, yeah, so Donna lost all of her memories, but didn't the Doctor do some sort of, you know, did he just do that with a little magic sort of head massage? Yeah, 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 he did. Um, he just sort of went up and took all the memories out of her head. Oh. Because uh, because otherwise, like, her brain would explode. Okay, another question then. Another question. <laughs> yes, yeah. Just something that occurred to me is when the Doctor and uh, Ada Lovelace were hiding in the floor underneath Norkan's secret hideout. Yes, uh, yeah, yeah. That's a sentence I certainly never thought I would say. <laughs> uh, I could have never imagined that I'd say that. And and the master is standing right there and they're shooting through the floor and Norkan's just like chill as, she's unflappable, very cool. Mm. And I'm like, don't the doctor and the master sense each other? Like, I'm sure that's been established in previous, like, John Sim and David Tennant mm. ones with, like, since they're around. And then they go on to have a conversation a la Kylo Ren and... Um, <laughs> yes, there was a bit of that, wasn't it? Yeah. Hey, what's a face? I was about to say a surname, but then I thought, oh, that might be a spoiler. Um, oh, yes. <laughs> Ray from Star Wars, where they have these kind of conversations <laughs> where they can see each other or hear each other. And they end up having a conversation like that through the wire, the wireless, the wiretap, the, the phonograph, the tapping, the, mor- the Morse code. You know what I mean. <laughs> I, I do. I, I wondered about that. Just sorry to derail the thought, but, but were they 
communicating in Morse code or were they communicating and we were just hearing them talk because it would have been much easier than hearing them beep, beep, beep their way through a conversation? Or was it literally like they were psychically connected through the wires? Well, the fact that he said, you know, contact, or she said contact, and then he said contact or something like that. It was like they'd both yeah. picked the call. Um, yeah, it, it was unclear. I, I didn't quite get what was whether that was meant to be, like, metaphorical or not. Yeah, me neither. But the point was, yeah. if, if they can sense each other and they can later have sort of psychic conversations, because <laughs> neither of them have phones and it was obviously too complicated to tap out a message... Um, then, like, why did he let them go in the room? Surely he would have found them there. Because he would mm. have stopped hiding, un- unless it was like magic wood. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, the, the thing that, the thing that really... Is a, is a porno that I'm working on. Uh, <laughs> it isn't. Um, it's, a, it's a sort of a Harry Potter derivative, but that's fine. It's a, diff- it's a different project, Stu. It's a different, different, type of, uh, different Patreon for that one. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, but yes, anyway, I'll finish my list, but keep that and put a pin in that because Okay, yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like there's a little bit of convenience going on with how Gallifreyans slash time lords can communicate, but anyway. Oh definitely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we had the fam on the run. Uh they got yes. by Lenny Henry and then they kind of ended up being a little useless. They sort of found their way to the where he killed his mum. For some reason, um, proof of concept or something. Uh, but they did they did seem to have this thing going on where they're like, oh, we don't even know the Doctor. Like, seriously, we could have been riding around the universe with Ted Bundy right now. Who are we to know? Yeah, um, yeah. So, and that tied in with the whole Gallifrey stuff that the Master then brings up, which is also then my next point. Uh, the Master's hologram at the end talks about the myth of the timeless child and how it brought back that line from last week that everything you think you know is a lie. Yeah. It did pay that off. Um, but then, again, it's one of those weird things. The Master tells the Doctor this just before he expects her to die. And then she, he spends this episode being pissed off that she didn't die last episode. <laughs> but did he really want her to die? Because he seemed to really want her to go through a struggle and find out the... The, the problem with Gallifrey and why that everything is a lie. Well, it's all part. I mean, it's all part of the game with the master. Like, if he manages to kill the Doctor, then great, he wins. But if he, if the Doctor survives, then he has other things planned. Like, you know, he, it's all part of the, it's, it's all part of the back and forth, the push pull between the two of them. I actually really, I, I actually really like that. I like the fact that he has like multiple versions of of his plan that he's working through. It's like. She might die here, but if she doesn't, then I have I have a plan for if she doesn't die. As in to make her miserable by confessing that I've burnt Gallifrey. Yeah, I guess. Like <laughs> I don't even know where Gallifrey was. He said something about the tiny bubble. Is that going back to, to Matt Smith and that 50th anniversary one? Yeah, I think so. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Like, cause it, it, Gallifrey exists in its own little pocket dimension because in the 50th anniversary special, The Time of the Doctor... Um, they, uh, all the doctors working together managed to like isolate Gallifrey at the moment that it would have been destroyed. So to the universe, it looks like Gallifrey was annihilated, but instead they trapped it in a little pocket universe somewhere, which apparently the idea was that the doctor didn't 
necessarily know where it had gone, but apparently can now just get to. It's it's totally fine. And we've we've since been back to Gallifrey um, since the fiftieth because we um, in uh, Heaven Sent uh, and Hell Bent uh, in Hell Bent rather the the Doctor the twelfth twelfth uh, Doctor Peter Capaldi goes there um, to sort of have a showdown with the Time Lords. So it's there, like Gallifrey's there. It's in play. Yeah. It's just now a burning uh, wreck. Which like, also, yeah, no, that... can I just say, too soon, mm. BBC, too soon. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think too soon. Australia's really going through a tough time at the moment. <laughs> I mean, happen... I was talking in context of the show, but sure, yeah, absolutely, in terms of real-world events. I meant in terms of real-world events. I was like, really, did, we, did it have to be fire? You know, isn't there a sort of a slightly more, you know different way of, of raising a planet. I appreciate raise means to burn down, but you know what I'm saying. Um, can there be some <laughs> kind of cooling event, like a, a very crisp air conditioning of the planet to death? Um, <laughs> you know, something that is not great, but uh, doesn't sound uh, horrific and, and traumatic for all concerned. Just my point. Just my point, Stu. Yeah, um, yeah. Yes, the last thing I managed to get out was... Um, did Lenny Henry get away? I don't know what happened. Oh, I got distracted, but he just seemed to yeah. leave. He he walked away, um, and this was on my list too. Like I, I I just sort of I sort of said he just walked away, and they never deal with it again. It, it, like because the doctor arrives, and I was like, oh, they're going to have a confrontation. They'll have like a confrontation at the end of this episode, like they had a confrontation at the end of last episode, but yeah, they well, don't. The it, it's just. Stirring, like, you know, ah, this is what social media has done with our lives and you can't control people's lives. You've got all the data, but you're going to have to do better and something. Or Anyway, or he Yeah, died. and then they just, they just don't has, do that. He just has, disappears. He's gone. It's, you he, know killed, those, he killed his mum and he buggers off. You know those big game conventions and stuff? Like, or, yeah. or, or releases where they get the, you know, main dude out. And yeah, like the, the tech conventions. Yeah, yeah. At the tech conventions to go, and now we reveal our new phone or something. It was like that. And and there he is going, humanity has three minutes left. You're all boned. Ha, 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 ha. Um, I've, I've made all of your brains. I'm going to rewire all of your brains and your DNA to be storage battery units or something. Uh, we're solving the crisis of humanity, whatever they're doing. And, mm. then, and then all of a sudden the doctor's done some fidgeting <laughs> and he goes oh well then off i go bye like it's yeah like, my plan didn't work i guess i'll just walk away imagine he was telling you know the assembled media and and various mm. stakeholders and they didn't go um hello <laughs> yeah it was very weird to the point it? where I, I i figured like maybe he's coming back maybe they're saving him for later or maybe he'll just walk away and they'll never resolve that. I, I don't know. They, they definitely have done that before. It's been pointed out that at the end of Arachnids in the UK, which was just last season, um, the main like Trumpian um, businessman in that, uh, played by Mr. Big, uh, he just walks away at the end of that. Yeah. He, he just there no 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 uh, no consequences for him. He just walks away. Yeah. Uh, so maybe the same thing is happening here. I don't know. I hope not. I, I hope we see Lenny Henry again because he's actually brilliant in this role. Really he's, good. He's really, really good. Yeah. Um, you know, I just, yeah, like, is he is he coming back or is that it? Is that all we get? I, I, I don't know. I don't, that's, I don't, in, that's incredible. I, I feel like the Doctor 
generally doesn't like to leave loose ends like that. That felt like a loose end. But obviously it's a, hey, we've got to deal with the bigger problem of the master. So the sub-villain can live to rise another day and we'll take care of him there. Hmm. But maybe they'll they'll just issue a statement going, uh, Daniel Barton of Vore has had a slight mental, due to stress, he's had a mental (laughs) and he's going to a farm and uh, he just, he lost his mind a bit and got angry at humanity and it was all just a bit of a prank and a misunderstanding. Well, Uh, look, I mean, if we we take the real world as an example, I mean, if Elon Musk can say the things that he says and like still be, you know, totally, (laughs) totally fine to run a multi-billion dollar company, then I'm sure this guy will be fine. (laughs) <laughs> I feel like, though, in fairness, there should be, you know, at some point down the line in the series, maybe some investigative reporting on Vore and actually what did happen. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but also, it's a massive company. One would think that there'd have to be other people in on the plan. It, it couldn't just be. And I know this big railing against technology and you know, open data and all that sort of stuff. And that's fair. You know, Dan, who we had on last week, is no longer on Facebook um, because Mm. of his ethical objections to what the company does. And that's totally fair. And, you know, there may come a time when everyone decides to leave Facebook because of that or other social media services or whatever. And it's really challenging because, like, for me as a small business person now, um, Facebook is my main source of contact and advertising. And it's like, oh, God, I'm yes. kind of going into a system just without, you know, realising it. So I, you know, have to start thinking of other strategies of how to connect with people if more people start to go, well, I'm not using that service. Um, but, yeah, so it was a big anti-tech kind of rant. But mm. did it feel a little bit sort of simplistic or a little bit um, heavy-handed to you? I mean, yeah, I mean, like, like it, it wasn't great, but it very much was this, I don't know, it felt a little heavy handed to me. It, it felt simplistic in a way that Doctor Who is often simplistic in the sense that, you know, it's using these things. When Doctor Who is specifically about an issue, it tends to be a particularly bad episode. What, what, what the, what it, when the show is at its best is is when it weaves those issues into like the plot of you know an episode but what that means is that the the issue itself is usually treated very simplistically um so that that didn't that didn't throw me so much because the show has definitely done that before um it's just that yeah i think it the 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 episode wasn't about or the, the episode was about you know, the, the encroaching sort of technology and big data and all that sort of thing, but only as much as it mattered to the plot of the episode, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. You know, like that. The, this this particular episode of Doctor Who wasn't a deep sort of investigation of how big data is secretly, you know, um, putting its tendrils into every aspect of our life. It's about how an alien race is hijacking a fictional, you know, Google-style company to try and take over the world. You know, and if that if that has some relevance to our current situation, then all the better. <laughs> well, what was on your list, Stu? Because I've probably nattered long enough. No, 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 not at all, not at all. Um, 
So yeah. my list, um, I started off with uh, not Cybermen, brackets maybe. Um, yeah, jury's is... still out on that one, not sure, but we'll see. Because the Doctor seemed to establish with the Master that he didn't know what they were. Yes, exactly. That they make a very good, a very big point of saying we don't. He didn't know what they were. He just sort of was improvising. Mm. But they are still shiny creatures that are kind of into computers and data. So yes. there's still there's, a... there's, room, there's wiggle room there. I would be happy. I would be happy if they weren't the Cybermen because I think that's kind of tired. But we do know that the Cybermen are coming back later this season. So I don't know if that's the way in or. Or what? Like, what happens there? But anyway. Um, uh, then the next item on my list was, uh, but the Master still got captured, because uh, he always does. His his creat- his alien races that he teams up with always turn on him, and they did they did this time. And in fact, they even did it, the, the Doctor made sure that... Sorry, what? I was going to say, he was going to turn on them, and she was recording him or something. Well, I mean, yeah, he, he, was, go- he's, he was using them. This is the thing, like... This is what always, always happens. And it, 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 I, I love that this happened because it's such a wonderful sort of nod to the series past, um, which is that the Master allies himself with these powerful aliens to try and sort of, you know, to, to meet his own agenda. And then they always turn on him because he always betrays them. It's great. It's, <laughs> it's just wonderful. It, it, it always happens with the Master. And when it happens, I cackle with glee because it's perfect. It's just really, really good. And it was done really, really well here. The Doctor... The Doctor beat the Master by using his own words against him. It was great. Um, but what, what I was going to say was, um, so that happened with the the Kasavan, but it also happened with the Nazis. Like, I, she also managed to do it with the Nazis as well, which was great. Like, he, he sided with this, you know, evil, um, you know, army, and, and then his own words came back to haunt him. It was great. I love it. It's it's ve- It was very well done. I really liked it. Yeah, and, and he... Um... Yeah, I've forgotten what I was going to say. Continue, continue. <laughs> That's all right. Yes, and then I, I also wrote down uh, Ada Lovelace and Noor Khan, our historical figures showing up. Um, and also Charles Babbage was there, I guess, <laughs> although he didn't do a lot, except, uh, you know, just sort of generally bumble about in a, in a, in a Victorian sort of way, uh, which was very good. Um, uh, yeah, and I thought it was weird that um, – I, I thought it was – it was interesting because I, I I knew about Noor Khan, but I, I had forgotten that she had actually, but I, I knew that I couldn't remember whether or not she had died during the war. And I was sitting there going, does she die? And then I looked it up afterwards and I'm like, oh yeah, she's executed by the Nazis before the yeah. war ended. So actually it's really kind of poignant that she sort of asks the doctor, you know, uh, do the fascist win. Yeah. And I, I think this, I think that the show was very subtly was doing a very subtle thing there um, where she doesn't ask if the Nazis win. She asks, do the fascists win? And the doctor says, never, never when, never when there's people like you around. Yeah. So I thought that was, that was quite a hopeful little note, uh, you know, in our current times. Um, It's funny though, because I thought initially when I was like, Oh, woman spy. uh, And she said, she's someone, my first thought went to um, Nancy Wake, the white mouse. Um, and then, of course, mm. I was like, oh, yes, but she's uh, she was an Australian woman and a white Australian yes. woman. And I was like, oh, this woman mm. is clearly a woman of colour. It doesn't mean that you couldn't play her that way, of course. But um, no, sure. I had not heard of Noor Khan before this, so or maybe very tangentially, but I, she, she didn't spring to mind initially. And there are a whole bunch of women, obviously, who are spies and mm. who are from 
badass. Yeah, a lot yeah. of the a lot of the French resistance was uh, was women, uh, yeah. just because they weren't fighting on the front. Yeah, and you know they didn't give two shits. So awesome. <laughs> Uh, yes, and, and yeah, I, I thought it was uh, with regards to Ada Lovelace. I thought it was it was interesting what the show did because you're right, like she doesn't do any maths, uh, which is what she's famous for. But um, she did. Um, she was a very scientific mind. It seemed like she was she was analyzing her environment and she was explaining to the doctor what her deductions and things like that. And she seemed to pick things up very quickly. Um, and I, I. I Thought it was it was such a I I always love when this happens in in time travel fiction where a person from the past finds out about something in the future and it kind of it kind of messes with them a bit because yeah. Ada Lovelace is sort of sitting there looking at Paris burning and sort of said you know they're talking about World War Two and she goes World War Two what do you mean World War Two you know and and that's sort of a riff on on from uh, Twice Upon a Time in in Peter Capaldi's last adventure. Where he sort of lets slip to the World War One officer, <laughs> he says, he says, you know, a World War One officer, and and the the officer says, what do you mean World War One? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, sorry, spoilers. You yeah. know, it's just kind of uh-huh. kind of horribly devastating. Yeah. Uh, no, it's true. It's true. Those kinds of little historical jokes, for want of a better word, because yeah. really talking about World Wars is probably not a joke. Um, but yeah, it it was they're fun, and when she was she had a phone. And neither of them was. They're both sitting there going, oh, okay. And Noor Khan's like, I don't know, I've never seen that. So they had the two of them. And then they had that, and they had a great monologue of the doctor working out what was going on and the data and everything. Mm. And those two women are just staring there looking at her. And it just was a little bit, like, it was fun and great, but it was also, they're just watching her. They're just kind of passive. I don't know. And and, and it's it's not helped by the fact that, like, Jodie Whittaker, we, we've talked about this before, but like Jodie Whittaker is at her worst when she's delivering like technobabble exposition. Like that, that's that's right. by far her weakest her weakest point. Like it's just she can't, uh, not that she can't do it, but like that's that's where I always she, she I always sort of feel the gears turning with, with her performance as the Doctor. When, whenever she's interacting with people, she shines. She's amazing, and when she has that scene with the master on the on the Eiffel Tower, which is amazing, which is great. That was um, a great sequence. That, that was, was incredible. Like, yeah, just just amazing. Like, like when she has that meaty character stuff to work with, she she shines like like a star. But whenever she has to deliver techno babble exposition, she really struggles. And and that that was evident because in that scene, you literally just have her basically talking to herself because the the characters aren't asking her questions. They're just standing there looking at her, <laughs> and and she just. So I don't know why they keep giving her this techno babble to say. Like it just find find ways around it, you know. I I don't know. I did like um with that scene at the top of the Eiffel Tower because they. Well, having said that, they were having their conversation over the spooky psychic waves, and then they've gone. We have to meet. We have and to meet. We, it's like we don't have to. <laughs> yeah, we're pretty well right now over some sort of yeah. psychic hookup. Um. But then he says, oh, where? And, of course, your mind goes straight. Well, my mind anyway went Eiffel Tower. And she went, yeah, where do you course, think? Of course, they're in Paris. Yeah. Eiffel Tower. And I don't know whether that was an intended pun, but it's one of those things where, what's that cliche? Like, if you're in Paris in a movie, no matter where you are, like, there's always the Eiffel Tower. Kind of. The Eiffel Tower, Tower, yeah. Yeah, just, just it's such a sense of place. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, and they went to the top. And I was like, I wonder if they both took the elevator. 
or if they climbed. <laughs> so was it guarded then, or I, 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 I was thinking that I'm thinking, how did the doctor get up? Like, like the master, fair enough, but like, how did the doctor get up there? Uh, wibbly wobbly, timey wimey. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, but uh, the the next thing I had on my list was uh, companions having adventures, which is yeah. great. Everyone has something to do, and it all makes sense, and they they're doing good stuff. Uh, it was very, very good. What, what um, your opinion was what they did good and stuff? What's that, sorry? In your opinion, what did they do good and stuff? Oh, which is just the fact that, like, they're, they're everyone, all three of them, like, had stakes and, and had a, had stakes in what was going on. All three of them, you know, uh, felt like they were involved and they weren't just there to make up the numbers or because, like, they're saddled with this character who exists. Um <laughs> They were all doing stuff. They're, they're all interacting. And we, we have enough sort of weight of, of history behind them now. We've got a full season of the show and a special under our belts that, you know, we we know these characters. So they don't have to waste time sort of setting up who's doing what and all that sort of thing. They just they just do stuff. And it's great. Like, Graham's a bit goofy and a bit silly, and he does his, his weird little laser shoe dance. Oh, yeah. That you was... know, which is great. The the one thing I meant to mention this last um, week because we saw Ryan uh, like playing basketball and doing all sorts of things. Um, does he still have that muscular issue? He mentioned how he couldn't on the plane when they the doctor saved them on the plane, yeah. and uh, he couldn't. He said, "I can't ride a bike, but I can drive a plane, or pilot a plane." And oh, I. Okay. I took that as a reference to the fact that he has that that imbalance. So right, okay. Uh, I can't remember what it was called, but it was that um, condition where he yeah, it's it's a muscular condition where you yeah you 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 have off balance and you have trouble doing um, everyday activities like riding a bike, for example. Yeah. Um, but so, I, I got the impression that it, it would be slightly more debilitating than what it's put out because he just. He just does stuff. He runs around. He, he does, and maybe that's maybe that's very good. But but they just never seem to. It never seems to have any consequences beyond that first episode. Yeah, yeah. And uh, dyspraxia. I just looked. Dyspraxia. It up. Yes. Coordination difference that impacts his motor skills. Yeah. His, his symptoms are relatively mild and high functioning. It does okay. it balance to the point he finds tasks like riding a bicycle extremely difficult. Sure. Yeah. So I took that as a as a reference to like, oh, I can't. Ride a bike, but I can drive a plane, pilot a plane. Yeah. Okay, cool. Fair enough. <laughs> but, it, yeah, it was, a, it was an offhanded reference, and it didn't seem to impact him. Um, he does a lot of, like, running around and, and leaping and jumping and everything else in, in this episode, and it, it it struck – in these last two episodes, and it did strike me as odd. I'm like, doesn't he, he – he has a muscular condition. <laughs> yeah. It's very strange. But anyway, it's fine. Well, it's a balance and coordination, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, you yeah, know, and, 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 uh, Yaz had, had a lot of stuff to do and we saw Yaz's family again, which was great. Um, and do, do, in a, in a, in a very, um, in ways that reminded me very much of sort of the Russell T D, uh, Davies era of, of the show where, you know, this world, you know, defining event would be going on and we'd cut to a companion's family sort of being all screaming and, and seeing, yeah. saying what's going on. Um, just the way that. Um, the others were knocking their phones over because I, I guess for them, their grandson, step grand, granddad, 
and they're kind of each other's most important person. Mm. Because for her, it's like, well, her immediate family are going to be watching the TV and seeing that she's now an internationally wanted fugitive. Yes, exactly. But There's consequences for yes. She tries to make a call and they have to rip the phone off her and then she tries finds a payphone to go, look, just mm. don't leave the house. Don't. So that I, I like that. I thought that was quite fun. But but that's also, that's also a thing that I, I wanted to sort of discuss. Like the, the episode also doesn't, even have a line explaining oh and then like it turned out that was all a hoax and people have apologized for for like you know hounding um yaz and graham and and ryan um like like do does the world still think that they're three fugitives or or is that all cleared up now yeah exactly yeah there's the consequences sort of aspect (laughs) yes But, then, uh, but then that's that's far from the craziest thing this show has ever done. So I'm prepared to let it slide. Like you know, <laughs> it's all good. It's um, true. And then uh, the the next thing on my list, I wrote uh, Gallifrey Falls again um, because <laughs> it turns out uh, yeah, Gallifrey's dead again, um, which seems like a weird choice. But I mean, maybe they'll do something with it because they're obviously trying to do a broader sort of arc with the Timeless Child thing and something. The Timeless Child is something that is so offensive to the Master that he burned a planet to the ground. Uh, So Was it an overreaction? Who knows? (laughs) But maybe it is that terrible. Maybe it is that terrible. Maybe the Master is just being crazy like he so very often is. Do you Uh, have theories on the Timeless Child? Well, he says something about, like, the founding fathers of Gallifrey, which actually made me think, oh, God, are they going back – are they actually going back to uh, – like, like I think we talked about this last week. There was this – there was this uh, plan the, – the, the seventh Doctor, which was the last Doctor before the, the big hiatus in the 80s. Yeah. Uh, there was a plan from the show's producers to sort of layer in – a lot more sort of mythos surrounding, you know, whether or not like the doctor, like what we knew about the doctor had been, you know, wrong this whole time and that he was actually far more mysterious and powerful than we had ever as viewers had ever been led to believe, you know, and that he might be one of the founding sort of uh, fathers of Gallifrey. Um, And I'm sitting there going, Oh God, are they, are they bringing the Cartmel master plan back into like canon is this going to be a thing because that's a deep dive like that's that's a hell of a deep dive that's like old series so are you suggesting that maybe the doctor was like a founding father of gallifrey or maybe both the master and the doctor were and then their memories were wiped or something and they're the timeless children and or or they were the they were the original time lord thingy and then they brought in a myth to change and so they had their memories wiped and then got given these new personalities, or they, or they wiped themselves, maybe, and they've been running from it ever since. Is that why Possibly. the Doctor has innate urge to run and to travel and yeah. to move around? It, it sounds not... like it sounds like this is the theory that you, you're working under. I don't know. I'm just I'm throwing it out there because I'm thinking, Stu. Uh, yes. Maybe we could develop this <laughs> as we go and try and get clues and try and work out well what could a timeless child be. And then maybe that could feed into me writing another, you know, Doctor Who adventure. <laughs> well, yes, yes. We, we should definitely look for um, things that we can put together uh, to make a, another uh, Who radio play because that was immensely fun last time. 
It was, and I did plan to do one for New Year's, but things have been getting out of hand. You you have multiple shows to write as it is. (laughs) So I think that's more than fair. But having said that, like, yeah, no, I think it's um, it's very, uh, maybe, like, like, everything you just said sounds really cool. Um. Although the trouble is, like, like if you if you mess around with this too much, like it does tend to break the show. So, you know, you, you have to sort of worry, yeah. you have to sort of balance this I, somehow. I, and I I don't, I have don't deep yeah. that that you know, and I, I I don't have the deep show knowledge, and I have a bad memory. So for my mind, <laughs> like, yeah, go ahead, reset the whole thing, totally change the origin story. Doesn't sure. matter to me. But I appreciate there'd be a lot of people out there who that would matter to, and they would find flaws with with any yes. such plan. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> But anything else you've thought of, Timeless Child? Well, I mean, uh, I mean, I, I've I've tried. I, I haven't read any. Um, I've deliberately like stayed away from all the theorizing and stuff on online because I want to sort of come at it fresh for this podcast. And also, and also, like I, I like to sort of see if I can figure things out myself nowadays. Like there was a time where I would dive headfirst into all the different speculations and stuff like that, and it kind of there there was a point where it started to sort of really be a bit tiresome, like. You, you would sort of get ahead of the show in many ways because like, you know, the, the hive mind of the internet, when it sets its, t- sets its mind on something, it can usually figure stuff out pretty quickly because you have multiple people all working on the same problem. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you, you do end up with basically a pretty good picture of what the season will look like. And then you basically just have a plot synopsis and it's like, well, that's no fun. I'd, I'd rather try and figure it out myself. So no, I haven't, I haven't started theorizing in full because I didn't realize that like the timeless child was going to be uh, referenced so, so soon after we heard it last season. I thought that was, that was something that that was just a little breadcrumb that uh, Chris Chibnall was maybe leaving himself in case he needed to, to pick it up later. Yeah. Well, that's, someone the, else pick it up. that's the only thing that I Googled was timeless child. Yeah. Because it had been said before and I was like, I'm sure I heard that before. And so I just Googled it and, um, yeah, just was in that episode of the Ghost Monument where there were some psychics who were like, ah, there's a memory buried deep in your mind. Woo! Um, I believe that was a scripted woo! <laughs> yes, exactly, yeah. <laughs> but I, that's all I really read. And, um, yeah, I don't theorise because, you know, look, not to mention Game of Thrones yet against you, but I do sometimes <laughs> wonder if – you know, the the fact that people were so disappointed or a lot of people were disappointed by mm. the final season is because nothing could ever match up to all the various theories and yes, uh, exactly. complicated plot contrivances that the hive mind had created and yes. wanted to see <laughs> manifest. And they didn't. And then they went, well, I don't like this story, which for my mind and I think for your mind you go back and you go yeah that's a pretty justifiable story based on all the events and information we have up to this point and <laughs> it's not perfect and we could see some other ways that might have made it more palatable to people but uh yeah people really hated it <laughs> yeah no no absolutely and I, I do think like if you can stay away from a huge amount of online speculation and just maybe listen to us uh <laughs> exactly doing right now is online speculations to you i hate to inform you well that this is true but you know i think uh, we're qualified so leave it to the professionals well do you want to hear what dan wrote because yes now so have, have we mentioned this on mic or, or i can't remember i skimmed this very briefly and yes. Uh, yes i may not have mentioned it on mic 
excellent quality, high professional level. <laughs> After I've just said how, how we're, the, we're the professional podcast. Yeah. 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 That's okay. People <laughs> know what they're getting into. Totally. It's fine. It's fine. We're charming. <laughs> so I uh, messaged Dan today because uh, Dan said that he likes to guest on the podcast, but that means he can't really listen to it and he likes to listen to it. So I said, look, Stu and I are going to podcast tonight. If you have any opinions about the second half of Spyfall, let me know and I can read them to Stu. So I've got his email here. Uh, he begins by saying, number one, I'm sorry for all my yelling in the last episode. The <laughs> The lacklustre audio quality is 100% my fault. And, uh, I mean, did he need to say that it was lacklustre? Yeah, it was, it was, yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's less, less of a burn on him and more of a burn on us. But, but you know, <laughs> keep on going, Dan. That's fine. It's hard because um, it does it – does, it is hard to ride the levels – with that kind of stuff when people are shouting and things. So. It is, yes. And I, actually, I, I think the most egregious uh, mic blowout last week was was definitely me, so I'll, I can take responsibility for that one. No, no, no. Blame Dan. It's good. Oh, Let him blame Dan. Fair enough, yeah. No it's Dan doesn't fault. any blame for anything. So this is a... <laughs> um, he then says, number two, sorry for being so negative. Uh, he continues, <laughs> I wasn't quite so angry with the second part of this story, don't get me wrong, there are so many weird and confusing things going on. Why was the master suddenly overwhelmed by a handful of humans? Was it okay for the doctor to weaponize Nazi racism against the master now that he's got dark skin? Oh, I hadn't even thought about that. I mean, but okay. I think yeah. yes because he's not he's not he's an alien. Yeah. And, mean, and it's the master and it's part of like the dance that they do. Like like I that never occurred to me and i i'm desperately trying to defend it now that he's pointed that out that's that's actually quite a good point um wow uh i'm just gonna leave you up to the racists yes <laughs> because you've chosen ha ha you're stupid you've chosen a, a person of color visage yeah yeah that's right exactly and he actually says or he actually says when he shows up again do you know do you know how hard it is to live through the 20th century <laughs> that was yeah that was quite good um, so what was the point of using Ada Lovelace as a companion? Oh, here we go. If you're not going to have her do quadratic equations to save there the day. There we go. Yes. Um, why remove her memories? No one else gets their memories removed. Uh, yeah. Noor Khan does. Yeah. Both Noor of them, both of them get their memories wiped. But I don't, maybe he's meaning historically, like, I don't know. Um, why are there so many things where the doctor talks about the stuff she's done or going to do instead of scenes where she does them? I assume he's referring to... Oh, is she referring to the doc? I'm not sure if he's referring to Ada Lovelace or the Doctor, but I guess it could apply to both. Yeah, like I mean, the, the the Doctor does spend a lot of time in this episode, sort of telling people what she's about to do. Mm. Which, yeah, I, I, I take his point. <laughs> um, if the but, Nazi, but ha- sorry, sorry, I was going to say, like, like just just while it's fresh in my mind, uh, he mentions why does Ada Lovelace and Noor Khan get their memories wiped? Um, possibly because memory wiping is going to be something that comes up again and again this this season, maybe? Maybe. Maybe the Doctor's been memory wiping the, the fam the whole time. Oh, and maybe. That's, that's oh, why I was thinking more anything about if we, Yeah, yeah, but if we're talking about, like, you know, the Doctor and the Master having their memories wiped of things that happened with the Timeless Child, maybe, or... Oh, a lot of memory talk. Okay, yeah. I dig it. I dig it. I dig it. Um, 
If the Nazis suspect, this is going back to Dan, if the Nazis yes. suspect there are hiding places under the floorboards, why not check there instead of shooting into them and leaving? Well, it was more the it was more the case. What 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 confused me was, like there wasn't like lead shielding or anything in the particular place where the doctor and Ada were. What was there? I don't think so. So yeah. I mean, why weren't they shot? I don't I don't get it. Were they under they, a bed? Well, they they were under were they under the bed? I just thought they were under the floor, and so the Nazis like filled the floor with bullets, and then the doctor and Ada were totally fine. I didn't quite get what had happened and why they were okay. Not quite sure. Plot, yeah. I guess. Had plot armor on. Yeah, the plot armor, yeah. Bullets uh, right off it. So, yeah. <laughs> it's it's literally the um, small, thick Bible or the silver <laughs> cross or something that a bullet gets. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, why did... Where did Sir Lenworth scurry off to? He just ran away. That's the resolution of the character. Okay, so that was something we mentioned earlier too. Yes, Dan's obviously yeah, but we're hoping he might turn up later on in the, you know, thing. Uh, so the doctor saves the day by doing a Bill and Ted. <laughs> yes, she does. And I quite like that they actually, um, like, because I was like, oh, well, we can we can sort of read between the lines that she then goes back and, and does all that stuff. But it's like, no, no, no we're going to walk it. We'll, we'll walk us through. Like, let's let's go through step by step. We'll, we'll actually see her do all that stuff. That was so, very fun. I, I quite like that. I, I found that delightful. Um, Dan, should, obviously, maybe not. I have not seen Bill and Ted. Well, not fully. I think I've seen parts. Right. So is so is this the fact that the Doctor went and back and saved the airplane crashing by yes, pre- exactly. Yeah, yeah. But after the adventure was over, she went back and made sure that the airplane was um, fitted out with uh, everything, which is a dangerous like. Plot-wise, it's a dangerous road to go down because why doesn't she do that for every adventure that she goes on? Yeah, and also um, it seemed it seemed quite complicated. Like she had multiple signs with Ryan's name on them that he had to yes. look at. Like why not just one? <laughs> Ryan Sinclair, yes, you know, open this document. Here is a plan to save. You know, why was it like move three? You know, it was quite a chess move. No, Kat, we can't have you here right now. We're podcasting. Yes, you just sit there. Uh, sorry, that's a special appearance by Crystal the cat. Um, I'll continue on with Dan's notes. As Tom Selinsky points out, now Tom Selinsky is a friend of mine in London and De- of Dan's, and he is a Doctor Who aficionado, and he actually blogs about uh, Doctor Who and writes up his thoughts. So I haven't read that. But Dan says that Tom pointed out she bribed the architect. That obviously references something. And Dan says Chibnall is – oh, no, sorry, this is – this is Tom's quote. She bribed the architect. Chibnall is half remembering ideas that Stephen Moffat thought was so played out as to be worth spoofing in 1999. Which I assume means the curse of fatal death. The, um, are you there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I'm trying to think what he's talking about. <laughs> bribed the architect. So she got into the, she, <laughs> Change that that silver lady or whatever it was. Oh, the, and, the silver lady thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. No, no, but but she didn't she didn't bribe the architect. She she broke in at some point in the in the recent past, and installed a, a computer virus in it basically that would make it feedback if it um if it, I, I, as I as I say these things out loud, I realize how ridiculous they sound. 
Um, and so it, like, I'm sitting there going, no, no, no. But what you have to understand is that the doctor uh, went to the recent past and then did the thing and then and made sure there was a computer virus that would make the feedback loop into the Kasavan uh, if the Kasavan ever master a particular amount of energy. Uh, see, and, and it makes total sense. It makes total sense. Um, I sound like a lunatic, but no, I think that's I think that's fine. I, I'm I, I didn't pick that up as a plot hole. Yeah. Uh, so Dan continues. I feel so anxious that Chibnall has control of the Doctor Who canon and is telling us everything you think you knew is a lie. If mm. it turns out the Doctor was born in a loom, I'm leaving. Yes. <laughs> yeah. If Chibnall if Chibnall brings back the looms, I'm I'm. That, that, that's not something. So this is part of the extended uh, universe sort of stuff um, in a number of the novels. I don't think in any of the officially recognised uh, audio dramas, but certainly in a number of the novels and, and comic books and stuff, uh, Time Lords are grown in vats, basically. Um, they, they're, they're so advanced as a society that they're not, they don't have mothers and fathers. They, they're grown in, in, in what, what, are, what are called looms, basically like genetic spinners that uh, build a, a Time Lord. Um, except that we know that the Doctor had a mother and a father and he had a granddaughter. So, you know, it, like it's... You know, a Time Lord because the timeless child or something? Well, exactly, and that's the thing. And I, I, I do share Dan's misgivings in, in the sense that I don't necessarily trust Chibnall in the way that I trusted Davies or Moffat to sort of mess around with the continuity. Uh, so I, I remain very nervously optimistic. Dan's obviously a bit more pessimistic than I am. I'm like, these, these two episodes, like, like to open a season, this has been really good. This has been the best season opening for a long time. Um, I, I had a great, I had great fun. Uh, yeah. I think, I think the episode largely holds together, but I, I do worry because I don't 100% trust Chris Chibnall to be messing around with like fundamental Doctor Who continuity, um, so you know maybe he'll maybe it'll be awesome, but let's see let's see what he does. Okay, so Dan then continues on the plus side. It was neat to see the Master in full SS garb, which is fair enough. Yes, also, yeah, yeah, sure. Discover the reason the Doctor doesn't really have a relationship with her companions is that she's intentionally being distant, and it seems they finally want answers. Yeah. Um, he concludes by saying, it's just everything is so messy. Are they desperate for writers? Are they just picking any idiot off the street? Does Chibnall have incriminating photos of the BBC board members? Why have they destroyed Gallifrey again? Stop everyone else's stories. God damn it. I take back my apology. Stupid effing Chris Chibnall ruining Doctor Who. Effing cock badgers shitballs. <laughs> Is how he concludes. Yes. And I probably <clears throat> the language warning on, on that one. Uh, yes, it was nice of him to make you swear. <laughs> yes. I may have replaced a few Fs with Fings, but... Uh, sure. <laughs> don't know why, just trying to be nice, you know. Um, so, yeah, so obviously Dan was uh, uh, not as not as upset as he was with the first episode, but still no. many questions and enough to accuse Chris Chibnall of bribing the BBC board to let him take over. Uh, call in if you have bribery material that uh, we can yes, use. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, it must be hard though. There's so much. I don't know. Oh, it's tough. And look, look. The thing is, like, I, I don't. I, I think Chris Chibnall is fine. Like, Broadchurch is an incredible show. Um, 
you know, all three seasons. I, I liked all three seasons. Um, so like, he's not an idiot. He knows how to run a television show, but I, I do wonder sometimes like, like his episodes were never my favorite episodes of Dr. Who. Whereas and I think we've talked about this before. Like when Stephen Moffat took over from Russell T Davies, it was extremely obvious that he was the absolute right choice to do that because his episodes were always the best episodes when he showed up and he wrote an episode of Doctor Who, it was the best episode. Yeah. But when Chris Chibnall was showing up during the Moffat era, his episodes were not the best episodes of that season. Um, yeah. They were fine. They were, they didn't suck, but like, you know, his characterization of the Doctor was often a bit strange and the plots were a bit, you know, whiffy sometimes. Like, so he had some good ones, but he also had some real iffy ones. Um, So I do wonder, you know, like whether... And I know there, there was a number of other people they sort of talked to when they were looking for someone to replace Stephen Moffat. And in fact, it's I'm I'm fairly sure it's been confirmed that Moffat stayed one extra season. Yeah. Um. He he definitely stayed. He definitely stayed one extra season because Chris Chibnall was finishing up Broadchurch. But I wonder if he basically stayed an extra season because they just couldn't find someone in time to take over from when he was going to stop. Yeah. You know? Um, so we got that final season with, uh, with Bill and Nadal. And actually there's some great episodes in there because I think a lot of the pressure was off in mm. many ways. Um, like, you know, he got to have fun again. Uh, so there was a lot of great episodes in that final season with uh, Capaldi. Um, but you know, I think um, I think in terms of Chibnall, like he's fine. He's definitely a good showrunner, but you know, Doctor Who's a very specific beast, and I think they probably tried too hard last season to try and restart it from scratch, and they realized quite quickly that you can't really do that with this show. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a show that naturally has regeneration built into its into its core, yeah. so you you can always have soft reboots of the, of the show, but you don't throw out things that are working you know what i mean like like you there's there's things that make doctor who doctor who and i feel like they did maybe jettison some more stuff than they should have last season i feel like they're getting back to what they should be doing yeah and one of those things is this idea of the of the the season-long mystery so maybe this is something that you know could pay off and when they pay off they pay off big time and if they don't pay off they they take down an entire season with them so hopefully it pays off well, is there anything else to say? Have we missed anything about this app? Uh, I can't. I'm not, not off the top of my head. I think I think we've done everything. Did you? I mean, you 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 liked it as well. Did you did you like it yeah, as I, much I, as? I, I love the um, history bits. I love them turning up in the middle of like a great exhibition style. Yeah. You know, showcase of crazy. And that's very. They're very much your jam as well. That, that's my jam. And then, you know, freaking re um, resistance spies, British spies in France. I'm like, yeah, this is cool. Like when the Nazis rolled in, I'm like, this took a turn, but I'm here for it. <laughs> um, and that kind of thing. But it's that I think it might have been around that point where I thought, you know, this could be a three-parter. We could just sit in these other worlds for a while. I, I mm. did like the Doctor taking the Master's TARDIS, like sneaking off yes. with it. Um, that was good. And he didn't bother to change what it looked like. So I just have this 
you know, the image of an Australian farmhouse from 2019 <laughs> into 1943 Paris is quite uh, charming. Um, so, yeah, there were a lot of things that kept me entertained and uh, I thought overall the two-parter, this week's two-part, I think I gave it like, did we rate it last week? Or did mm, we? Oh, I think, I'm trying to think. We, we, were, we were giving letter ratings in the, in the Star Wars episode. That's right. Um, but if, I don't think we rated last week. Well, if last week was, say, uh, you know, C or a C plus, this to me would be like a B uh, type of episode. So overall, I'd say that the, the two-parter was like a B or a B minus or something like that. Okay. All right. And then to I, give a random, like, I don't think it was an A plus game. But no, 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 definitely not. Pulled it up and, um, yeah, it was, it was fun. And there was rollicking adventures and I always love a a bit of historical stuff um, yeah. and the master rocking up into that gallery and like turning someone into a mini person. And then <laughs> yes, <laughs> like he was proper mad and proper kind of balmy. And that was fun. Like he did a great performance. So I hope, yes. I hope he gets, cause he's trapped now in like a brain somewhere or in someone's DNA. Well, yeah, so, he, he's very specifically not dead. He's trapped yeah. in that weird place yeah, that the doctor was. So yeah, like we can definitely see. I mean, I don't think you cast Sasha Darwin and then have him for two episodes and then say, okay, well, that's it, you're done. Yeah. Um, I think we'll be seeing him again, which is great. Like, because I think he's, like, he's definitely, he, he came on very strong in the final uh, final minutes of, of last ep, last week's episode. But then I think he really sort of made that work this week where you can tell that he's a little bit more unhinged than, you know, Missy, for example. Um, yeah. But definitely, you know, he has it that they they spark off each other so well, you know, like like that they really do. When that 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 conversation they had on top of the Eiffel Tower, they just they're really like playing with each other really really well. I, I really like the interplay between this Doctor and this Master. Yeah, no, it's it, it is good, and he has this proper um, kind of like where he sort of shake his whole body kind of shakes when he's yeah laughing and he's like you know he, he it's proper good balmy acting yes he, he's he's cranked that lever right to 11 i love it it's really good so i'm 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 okay with that so yeah um how would you sort of give the two-parter so far i think i mean if i was if we, we're sticking to letter grades i guess if it was um if last if last week was a b then this week's a B plus. Okay. You know, like, like I, I, it's it's not an A. Like I, I wouldn't. It's not up there. And I, actually, I mean, like I, I really, li- I really liked this second episode, and I think it really, as far as like a two part episode goes, this is pretty good. Um, the show's done a lot worse. It's definitely solid. It's very solid, and, and this episode in particular was more solid than last episode. I think I think last episode was sort of flying around all over the place. Um, this episode very much sort of locked everything down. We got, you know, e- even though we were jumping around even more um, than last episode, but but everything seemed to sort of slot in quite quite well. Yeah. Um, and everything was explained, and and every like I said, like like I just I get I get very satisfied when everything comes together and is explained very well, which is something that Chibnall actually does very well, often to the detriment of episodes where he will explain everything. Yeah. He, will, he will tell you exactly how everything happened to the point where they, they have a montage of, of 
the doctor doing the, the Bill and Ted uh, thing. Like that they can't just say it. He has to show you. Um, that's one of his ticks as a writer. And sometimes it's to the detriment of the episode. I know, I know last season we sort of lamented in several episodes that everything was just so like precise that, you know, the plot kind of got in the way of characters. Yeah. Uh, which is what often happens with Chibnall's writing. And I, I think, this was the best version of that where there was a plot and it all made sense and everything that he said would pay off paid off and you just have to judge it on its merits like did you like it or not whereas i think you know what what would often happen with stephen moffat and even russell t davies previously and writers under them is they would make these big swings in the first part of an episode and then not pay them off later and then just be like oh but you know something happened wibbly wobbly timey wimey look over there um yeah so so i think one thing you can say about chibnall is that he is meticulous when it comes to plotting but often to the show's detriment unfortunately so you know we'll have to see but as far as the episode goes i really liked it i thought it was a, it was a bb plus yeah um it was a good it was a good fun way to start the series and i hope it gets better from here yeah, because it, because know. that that puts us in in a territory, and yeah. that that can only be good. I think that that's very fair. Well, uh, anything else nerdy that's been on your radar since the last? <laughs> I mean, nerdy um, I started watching. Speaking of Stephen Moffat, I started watching uh, he his new uh, Dracula series oh. that he's doing with uh, Mark Gaddis. I really want to watch that um, uh, because the guy who's playing Dracula, his name is Klaus Bang. I mean, it's is just his name Klaus thing. Bang. Yeah, it's like Klaus. He's Danish, so hang on, let me Klaus Bang. Um, Fantastic. Klaus Bang. Yeah, C L A E S Bang. Like literally the word. Bang. <laughs> so I'm assuming Clay's or Clay or Klaus. Klaus. Very I, nice. I don't know how to pronounce it, but his surname is Bang. I mean, I I just what a gift. What a gift, Stu. Um, Absolutely. Have you watched one episode, two? I've watched uh, because I'm living an insane, uh, still on holidays existence at the moment. I've watched the first half of the first episode. Okay. Uh, uh, But they're like, it's Sherlock style. So there's there's three 90-minute episodes in this season. Um, And uh, and I I haven't watched the others, so I'm not sure if there will be other seasons. But... um, yeah, there's three separate 90-minute uh, episodes. Um, so I'm about halfway through the first episode, and it is delightful. Is um, it? it is. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Very, very good. I'm not spoiling anything to, to say that the, 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 the show does a, does a cold open uh, where a nun is interviewing Jonathan Harker after his experiences with Count Dracula, and that the cold open ends with the nun saying, Mr. Harker, did you have sexual intercourse with Count Dracula? <laughs> right, that, that's the sort of level of, <laughs> that, that's the level they're pitching at. And it's that's delightful. Right. It, is, it is really delightful. It's, it's, yeah, it, it's very, it's very them. Like you can feel Moffat and Gaddis behind the scenes just, just cackling to themselves. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's fantastic. Like, it, I, I don't know whether it gets better or worse. Like, but but the, <laughs> I've seen the first half of the first step of the first step, and I'm liking it so far. So that that's very cool. I mean, 
Oh, that's yes, very, it's very cool. Watch it. I'm just I'm so flat out that it's probably all I'll be able to do to to watch um Doctor Who. Uh, <laughs> And then organize a time to Skype with you, my friend. Yes, exactly. So we, will do it. we will do it. We'll make it happen. Uh, but I will be in Perth, so fun time. <laughs> yes. Uh, so well, well, um, and so we launch into it. Who's Raven on is is back for the year. Um, we're at at the worst possible time for I think both of us. No, um, it'll be fine. Sure. <laughs> it'll be fine. Just got a few weeks in Perth, and then I'll be back in Brisbane for the for the rest of it. Yay, okay. It'll all be good. You'll see. You'll see. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much for listening. If you have been listening to all of our uh, recent podcasts, as we did Watchmen and His Dark Materials and then into Doctor Who straight away, and we will continue. If you like Stu, you can find him as at Disco Stu on Twitter, and I'm at Girl Clumsy. And obviously, if you are in Perth or Adelaide or Brisbane, I've got shows coming up. I've got shows out the wazoo. Um, you can check out actreact.com.au uh, to find links to various shows that I'm doing. Please come along. It'd be awesome. She has so many uh, shows, you guys, and some of them are even can I, tell, can I just say, though, it's a weird time to be trying to do comedy at the moment. It's it's a weird time, yeah. Uh, the country is on fire. And, and Amy... Uh, and we're writing, you know, this new show about puppies versus kittens. And it's just designed to be a really fun little simple show where we kind of, you know, talk up kittens versus puppies and cats and dogs and which is better. It, You know, it's not a show that's of earth-shaking political importance or anything like that. It's just fun and cute, hopefully. But we've both, you know, as we've been writing going, it's just a really weird time because you feel, and I'm in the same, like trying to promote it and go, you know, hey, come see a fun comedy show. I'm not trying to trivialise things, but that just happens to be the medium in which I work. Uh, and, and just, <laughs> you know, it's it's odd because I want to, you know, make people laugh and I realise it's a very hard time. So, you know, um, if you are in a place that is not affected by fires, uh, the world, I guess, continues on, weirdly enough, and... Um, Please don't neglect the arts. <laughs> <laughs> it's so difficult. This is what I mean, Stu. It's just weird and it's an odd time. And uh, It is. We live in interesting times. True, but the thing is you can't just, when you've got these things all planned and set up and they're all happening, you can't just go, oh, look, it would be inappropriate to go ahead. Like we just can't. No, but I mean, like you know, like I, I understand, I understand what you're saying. Like it's hard to write a comedy show at the moment. Yeah. But you know, the fact that you're out there like putting on a show isn't somehow disrespectful to people who. You I know, hope not. I hope not. It always just feels like you know people lose their homes and animals die and all these things, and it's like, well, uh, waka waka, here's some funny stuff I, I don't know it's just well, at, at the at the risk of sounding facetious that's that's often when people need to laugh the most so oh look i hope so i hope so um yeah i i really hope so it, no pressure of course no pressure <laughs> you know if you do want to laugh then we're ready to provide so perth adelaide brisbane shows coming up jan feb march get onto it or into it you know what i mean you know what I'm talking about. 
Uh, well, thank you, everyone, for joining us. Thank you, Stu, as always. Thank you, Natalie. And we will catch up via Skype, I think, for the next one, if I don't see you beforehand, which, to be Almost honest... Almost certainly. Probably <laughs> unlikely. Uh, but how, I don't think we've worked out an out for this. Did the doctor say something? Oh, why don't we... say bye, fam. Bye, fam. Bye, fam. And if you have ideas on what the timeless child could be, leave yes. a comment or call in. Yes, uh, please let us know. Let's develop a bit of a, a, a catalogue of ideas mm. as to what the timeless child could mean or be or represent. Sound Absolutely. good? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. No, that, that, that sounds fantastic. If people, well, let's, let's all theorise together and see if we can figure it out before the show does. <laughs> okay, then. Well, Stu and everyone, let's say bye, fam. Bye, fam. Bye.